Welcome to another edition of the Down the Road Podcast covering your Lakeland Magic. Nick Gronowitz here, voice of your Lakeland Magic. Appreciate you joining us as we do an interview every single week here on the show. And this week, uh, we got a great one for you. Vic Law, two-way player with the Orlando Magic and with Lakeland, set to join me here. Vic uh, averaged over 18 points a game this past season with the Lakeland Magic in his first pro season after coming out of Northwestern. And on January 11th, signed a two-way deal with the Orlando Magic, appeared in five games with the NBA team before the season was postponed. I'll get into his NBA debut, which is a very interesting story from Vic Law, his time in the G League playing for Lakeland, and of course, uh, his role in what the NBA season could look like when it resumes, as it looks like two-way players will be included in the Orlando bubble. So let's get to that conversation with Northwestern alum, Lakeland Magic, and Orlando Magic two-way player, Vic Law. Vic, I really do appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Um, I, I've started every podcast episode during this time just with a broad question. Um, how you doing and, and what have you been up to the last three months or so as we've made our way through uh, the, this this pandemic and the postponement of the NBA season? Well, I've been doing good. You know, I, at first when the quarantine first had started, I went back to Chicago just trying to be around family, and I guess while we were in it, you know, for back then, no one really knew the, the timeline. Just to be around family and loved ones and just kind of stick it out with them, um, I decided to take another class in Northwestern. Uh, just, you know, doing the things, small little things I could around the house to try and stay ready for whenever, you know, I would be called back down here. And, then, you know, for about a month or so, I've been back in Orlando working out just trying to do my due diligence to make sure I'm ready for whenever the season resumes. Yeah, so you went back to Chicago. Um, what was what was it like just kind of being with your family? I know, you know, some players have said that they've they've gone back home, others have stayed in their NBA cities. So you went back to Chicago um and had a chance to just kind of be be with family. What was uh what was the daily routine, I guess, for you workout wise? Because some guys haven't had access to a gym and all of that. While you were yeah. up there was Ken Birch said he did like a thousand push ups every day. What were you doing? Well, I wasn't doing that, <laughs> but um, I, um, you know, I just tried to, to stay on top of some things that, you know, I had control of, like I would jog around my neighborhood, maybe run two or three miles every couple of days. And then my dad used to have, you know, has old uh, weight room equipment in the garage. So we kind of lifted um, four days a week and it was just, you know, like simple things to try and maintain our routine. Uh, the strength coach for the Magic sent some, some exercises and stuff that I could do. So for the most part, I was able to somewhat stay in a, a daily like physical routine of working out um, and trying to maintain my shape. But, um, you know, just being at home is just good to just enjoy the family, especially when nothing's opening. You kind of have to, you, you kind of force to spend quality time with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, my siblings were back home, so it was nice to just see everybody and actually have Good time, you know, spent with them, um, you know, coming back from Florida. Yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of players um, during this time, and just like you, Vic, they said, well, we've at least gotten a chance to, to be near our families and kind of spend some time with them. Um, I talked to Emil Jefferson. He said he was learning how to swim and how to play tennis. Were there any new 
uh, hobbies or activities that you picked up during the the postponement of the NBA season? No, not really. I was just gaming a ton, to be honest with you. Oh, really? I, um, yeah, I'm a big gamer, and when you know, when I just had all the time on my hands, I was either hanging with the people in my pod or I was just gaming, to be honest with you. So what? You, know, you can only work out so much. Well, what are you playing? Are you just playing NBA 2K? What What do you like to play? So I play. I mean, I play a little bit of everything. I play 2K, play Fortnite, FIFA, Madden, um, Call of Duty here and there. You know, I'm just a big gamer. You know, I kind of look once I beat a game or feel like I've, I've mastered a game. I try and look up some new ones to to buy and and get into. Nice. I I've I've never played Fortnite. Um. In fact, I I've, I feel like I've just completely missed out. So I've got to I've got to get out and I've got to play that because everyone says it's awesome. Um, so I've I got to no, check that one it. out. I will. Um, I I definitely will. Uh, Vic, let, let's get to the resumption of the NBA season here a little bit, and then some of your time in Lakeland. Um, so I I I guess I guess the plan is for two way players like you are with the Orlando Magic to join the team in. What what's being deemed as the Orlando campus or or the Orlando bubble? Um, what have you been What have you been hearing on that side of things? Because I think for you, that's unique. Is you've been staying trying to stay ready for something that you're not sure you're going to be be needed for or be asked to join when the NBA season resumes. Right, and I think you know for a lot of players, there's so much ambiguity around the season and and what what's it going to look like. But for me, you know, no matter what situation, I'm just trying to stay ready um, because you never know when an opportunity may arise that could be life-changing. So as of right now, I'm just, you know, working as hard as I can to be ready for that opportunity, you know, whether it's, you know, at the beginning of the resumption season or whether it's an off-season, whatever, you know, whatever it may be, um, you just kind of put the, the time in now so that it pays off on the back end. I don't know how players are staying motivated. I'd be the guy that came back twenty pounds fatter and uh, just not able to get up and down, up and down the floor. The un the unknowingness of it to me would lead me to just sit on the couch. So I admire what all these players have done to stay stay in shape and and get themselves ready to go uh, for a season that's supposed to start just about a month from when we're taping this. Um, I, I think as as a player, Vic, um, we are also a fan of the game, and some players uh, have really been a fan of this resumption. Twenty two teams, eight regular season games or seeding games, potential play in games. Uh, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't just ask you what do you what do you think of the format and how they're doing this thing? Aside from all the other stuff that's swirling around with the return. Well, I think obviously I'm not in management of the NBA. But I, th- I think, you know, it's a two-sided coin. I think, you know, some of the things that they're doing are uh, very, very good and very well thought out. Like, you know, it seems like a good format to get back to playing in a way for the NBA to recoup some of the money that, you know, has been lost. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, as you know, kind of a player, you know, it seems like there are a lot of issues that, you know, both players and coaches and staff may have that the NBA still, still needs to address. So I think – you know, it was good just kind of getting a, a timeline and, like, some kind of picture out there that everyone can kind of uh, wrap their heads around. But I, I don't know if the plan as of yet is perfect. Um, I think, you know, the idea is good, but I think it still can get better. Yeah, we got some of the details um, this week from a memo that uh, the NBA 
released in terms of what the what the environment is going to be like and and I, I do agree with you. I think that there are still a lot of questions in terms of kind of how viable is this in terms of a bubble and how viable is this in terms of of safety. Uh, one of the things that the NBA made sure it got out there is that this is going to be uh, hopefully, you know, there's going to be enough activities, whether it's, you know, movies that are being shown and, you know, you can play ping pong. Are you, are you a ping pong player, Vic? Are you going to are you going to enjoy the ping pong? Oh, you are. I would consider myself really, really good at ping pong. Really? Okay. So now, so when you saw that there's going to be ping pong tables, you were you you were intrigued, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was for the most part. You know, and I'm, I mean, it's just hard to say. So, you know, grown men that you're mm-hmm. kind of be holed up in one location for, you know, such a long you know period of time because you have you know such a wide variety of different people. You have people who you know younger people who, you know, are just kind of coming into their own, coming into the NBA. And you have another type of person that, you know, has kids or maybe expecting children, and it's hard to separate them from their families. And then you have the, you know, the old vet that um, has established himself, has a family, and just has, you know, different activities and, and things outside of basketball that may, you know, need their attention or whatever. So I, I don't, you know, it's, I think the NBA did, did do a really good job trying to establish a lot of things for them to, you know, for us to be able to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It'll just be interesting, you know. It is. Uh, I, I think. So. No, go ahead. yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it is. I, I, I think you make a really good point there when it comes to being away from family for that long. I, I, I wanted to follow up on that because there's been a lot of conversation about, you know, listen, seven weeks at least without family without you know uh any of your your loved ones perhaps um and and adam silver said in an interview with espn that this isn't this isn't going to be for everyone i think he is you know setting the the bar for you know or the potential for some players to to opt out either because of medical or because of other personal reasons uh in all of that and and there's been a lot of conversation this week with kyrie irving about what's important right now if getting back to playing basketball is important and while uh, I think a lot of people like to write off Kyrie Irving as this guy that's kind of out there. I think that the message has some very valid points. Um, right. You know, I, I, I think I think that's kind of what I'm hearing for you is that it's it's not just as simple as and I maybe I trivialized trivialized it a little bit too much and I'm I, I apologize for that, Vic, because um, you know it's not about just going playing ping pong, playing basketball for for seven weeks and finishing out the season. This is something that a lot of players are looking at as a big commitment, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I just because you have to look at it um, in two ways, you know. Well, well for, before I even get into that, you know, the Kyrie thing, I think a lot of people missed out because I think it was so important that the players kind of organized together to have a dialogue about the bubble mm-hmm. and what was going on. So it wasn't just team to team, but it was like across, you know, the entire NBA platform that players could kind of talk about you know, whatever they, they whatever they believe um, should be changed or fixed. And I think, you know, if Kyrie is the one that spearheaded it, I think it, it was important that he at least created that dialogue. I'm not going to go into, you know, all the X's and O's of what he talks about, but at least he created that dialogue. And there could be some kind of exchange between players about, you know, what, what they would like to see. And, you know, in terms of um, kind of getting back to play – you know, it's uh, it's interesting because you have the teams like, you know, you have the Lakers and, you know, the Bucks. I'm just going to give those two examples, the, number, the two number one seeds. 
Um, you know, they're they're obviously playing for something, so they they really want to to get back because they think they have the best chance of winning a championship. And I'm not saying the Magic don't have a chance of winning a championship, but you know, I, I would assume LeBron is just you know really hungry to try and win one. And on top of that, you have the teams that still have to play in to get in the playoffs. So, you know, for those players, especially with all the, the question marks circling the bubble and more cases coming in Orlando, it, it almost poses the question as if, is it worth it, you know, to, to go back down and miss family for this extended period of time and nothing really is guaranteed other than uh, eight, you know, regular season games. Yeah, it is. Uh, there are a lot of players looking at it. I'm sure, just like just like what you said, there is. I got to go back for seven weeks. It's eight games, and you know the Phoenix Suns. Uh, no offense to the Suns, but yeah. you know they're they're the most they're the furthest back of a potential playoff spot of anyone. They're six games back, and I'm sure you know we just heard the other day Kelly Oubre. He's going to have surgery. I think I think you're going to see a lot of that in the next few days uh, as players right. kind of try to decide what they need to do um, in terms of coming back or. Or going, going for this thing, mm-hmm. uh, Vic. I, I did want to, I did want to follow up on on one of the points you made about Kyrie because I, I think it is important. One of the one of the underlying messages that I think some have missed from Kyrie is he wants to make sure that you know the NBA is doing what it can and and prioritizing the players' voice for social issues mm-hmm. during this time in the wake of the murder of George Floyd. Uh, we've seen. Uh, protests here in Orlando. I know your teammate, Michael Carter-Williams, who we spoke to last week, um, uh, uh, marched in, in those protests. And uh, that that is something that, that Alex Martins, the Magic CEO, said to us, you know, is going to be a priority for the NBA. Uh, what what are your what are your thoughts on on what's going on right now, and and also when the NBA season does resume? I guess um, your expectation of what either you know the NBA is going to do or what you would like to see happen. Well, I think um, you know, and this this is just a clear cut message across. It seems like a lot of of players, and me too. You know, I, I've been pretty outspoken on Twitter. And uh, trying to go to the marches, um, donating, um, that something needs to change. And obviously, I don't think. Um, well, I don't. I don't think it's obvious. I don't know if, if we're gonna, you know, just hit a home run, and something's just gonna immediately change. But at least creating um, attention around these problems, educating people, and seeking change are the first steps in anything as you move forward. And I think, you know, with NBA players, especially with the resumption of the season, we all know that the platform we'll have will be enormous. So getting that message across will be put on a stage where everyone will see. And two, finding the right words to say around the, you know, the the message and the, the movement so that people can understand and truly know what the meaning behind it is. Because I think a lot of people and – you know, for whatever reason, maybe, you know, miseducation, ignorance, or they just, you know, just a lack of wanting to understand, just feel like they don't get, you know, why people kneel, why people march, you know, what the whole movement, you know, kind of stands for. And uh, I think that as, you know, as NBA tries to resume itself, it needs to continue to, to do what it's always done. I think the NBA has always tried to put its, its you know, put its foot forward and being a leader in social justice and equality and unity amongst his players and, and his constituents. 
So I think the NBA needs to continue doing that. And right now, the you know the problem in America is the death of minorities and, and people of color. And I think you know the, you know as players and as management of the NBA, we need to take a step and address that. And and I I do I do agree with you, Vic. Uh, we we've been having a lot of conversations about this here on the pod, and 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 I and on on the radio show, my other job, and I, I as someone who. You know, listen, I mean, you walk by me when I'm calling games um, there down there in Lakeland. I'm a white guy, so I, I don't I don't know what it's like. I'm, ne- I'm never going to know what it's like. And I, I think trying to get people just to listen is the important thing. And that that platform right. of the NBA returning and the world watching, you see what the, the TV ratings have been for golf, for goodness sake. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be watching the NBA. Is this something that you think the league should coordinate? Is it individual teams? Is it something the players should all get together and do? And, and some of this is just minutia that may not matter, I guess. But I do think that it's important that when the league resumes the season that there's a plan in place and it's not just something that individual um teams are just kind of doing i'd like one unified message i think that would be very important well you know i think well a a very good first step and something that you you know kind of alluded to is that people of privilege understand their privilege and they kind of understand that you know i may you know i'm never gonna understand what you go through i'll never experience what you go through not understand it but i'll never experience that and you know just being able to you know realize that and respect that and then listen to different experiences is one huge thing. And I think, you know, something the NFL did um, kind of creating that video where players across the league, um, you know, made that montage asking for peace and asking for change. Um, and that kind of forced Roger Goodell to listen. I think as we get down to Orlando, it would be kind of cool to have one or, you know, a couple organized meetings talking about it because once we're all down there, you know, we're all in the bubble the same, you know, no one's, kind of leaving it seems like so it would be it would be nice to have kind of unified meetings about different topics that we all feel you know emboldened about you know so i think you know it'll be interesting to see what happens next yeah it will be it will be i think communication is important and and just like what you said i i think that the players and i think the league is going to come up with something very powerful i know when we talked to alex martins a few weeks ago just after the announcement that the season was going to resume um he had been on the phone with the league and with uh, local government here in Orlando about, you know, what the NBA can do. So uh, there's no easy way for me to transition here back to the trivial stuff, Vic. So I, I do want to get back to basketball just <laughs> no a bit. Um, yeah. But I, I appreciate I appreciate your your perspective. Thank you um, for for, Thank for you. speaking on that. Um, I, I want to get to your first season in Lakeland because uh, it was a ton of fun. No lie. Watching you play basketball this year. Um I, I guess you just finished up your first G League season. Uh, what was your takeaway from your first first year down there in Lakeland? Of course, you ended up getting signed to a two-way contract, but um, I guess what was your takeaway from that first season? I think uh, it was, like you said, it was a lot of fun. And I thought the way the Lakeland Magic were run was exceptional. You know, the culture was just to really get better and have fun in the process of doing it. And, and you know, a lot of people – you know, kind of throw that around, like, you know, let's get better, but let's have fun. And I feel like it's, it's kind of loaded. It doesn't really mean as much, but in Lakeland, we really did come together and have a good time while development was kind of placed on the forefront. Um, so I was just super ex- excited about that, you know, having coaches like Stan Heath and Johnny Taylor 
Joe Barr and Mike. Um, it, just, it just really put things in perspective that there are people out there that really want to see you succeed um, and see you, you know, move up in the world. But, you know, if I'm just being honest, you know, playing in the G League this past season, I had always known it and just being from Chicago, I guess, of who I am, I'm super competitive and super fiery. I know, like, I'm an NBA player, you know, whatever the steps are next and whatever. I know I'm not, I may not be a perfect player or complete yet, but, you know, the goal is the NBA and, and that, you know, in my heart of hearts, I just know I'm an NBA player. So it was fun playing in the G League, but, you know, I have my sights on the NBA. And and you reached that a bit this year. You played in five games with uh, the Orlando Magic. Of course, you signed a two-way contract uh, in January. Let, let me let me ask you about that first. Um, you start the season as an affiliate player. You're playing in the G League. You're putting up numbers. You're averaging 18 points a game. And then I'm guessing it's either the team or your agent comes to you and say, hey, there's interest in signing a two-way deal. How how did the two-way contract come about? And, and what was your... I guess how what was your feeling in the moment of that? Because that had to be pretty exciting to to get an opportunity for that deal. I mean, it was it was great. Um, you know, my agent and uh, the general manager of the Lakeland Magic, Anthony Parker, uh, even the assistant Tunji Adipe, kind of came to me um, after a game, and they said, you know, we want to offer you a two way. Uh, you know, obviously, congratulations. They get you know we're in order. They gave me congrats. It was just a surreal feeling being able to take a step forward and get a little bit closer to, you know, the ultimate dream and ultimate goal of playing in the NBA. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I thought, you know, I was playing, you know, at a, at a really good clip. I, I was finally starting to, you know, understand you know, the ins and outs of the G League and how to play and how to score and everything. So, you know, I thought it, it was cool to finally get, you know, recognized for the way I was playing and, you know, I'm just honored to to be able to to you know be on this stage. So you make your NBA debut um, January. Do, do you re- do you remember your NBA debut? Let me. I'll ask you that first. I feel like I always give it away, <laughs> yeah. and that's the, so. Your NBA debut was against who? Uh, the Clippers. It was. You're right. Okay, so you played the Clippers. Um, do you, what? What was your What's your what's your your memory of that? Is it just getting getting um, announced into the game, getting out there? What uh, I guess what was your what was your lasting memory of that NBA debut? Uh, I don't even know, man. The whole day was kind of foggy. It was the day Kobe had passed away. Um, it was, I mean, that day. So the game probably was on Saturday. So let's say on Friday, I was in Greensboro, North Carolina, with the G League team. Anthony Parker told me I was leaving out the next morning to finally be called, you know, to be called up with the Magic. And so really early in the morning, me and Melvin Fraser um, flew out of North Carolina. And because it was such an early flight, we had to connect in New Jersey. Uh, barely made it to New Jersey. Had to run to our next gate to get to the, to make it on the flight back to Orlando. We get to Orlando. They, you know, the airline says they lost all my bags. Oh. Um, so that's the thing, you know, then we, you know, but you know, that's all right. So I, I sell my book bag and I sell my shoes and wallet. Um, I just told the magic, you know, I just need, uh, some gear, I guess, to wear. Um, then we get down to the, you know, to shoot around right from the airport and you know, everyone's kind of walking around like zombies and, you know, it's just kind of a surreal moment for me. You know, I'm finally back up. I was just super excited to see everyone. Um, and, you know, they told me Kobe had just passed uh, in a helicopter crash. 
you know, my first thought was, you know, obviously it can't be real. I knew we have a meeting as a team, and, you know, Coach Cliff tells us. And that just puts, you know, a whole, like, rainy day on the day. Um, so my first NBA day was just chock full of surprises and a day I will never forget. Yeah. Uh, that that is that's that's one of those days that no one yeah you know, we'll all remember where we were we got that news I was I was I remember I was standing in a bar in St Petersburg and you watched it kind of wash over the entire bar as everyone was was finding out the news it was a was a real surreal day and 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 like you said um, a tough one for the NBA community um, Vic did you, you got a chance to get into five games with the Magic. Um, did you have kind of a welcome to the NBA moment when you were like, okay, now I'm playing at the highest level here? Was there was there something that stuck out to you there? Uh, I no, I would I would say I guess my, my one moment would be when we were in uh, Miami and I got fouled and went to the free throw line. Just finally, you know, having a chance to to be at the line of NBA game. <laughs> Horribly enough, I missed both free throws. And they both felt great. They both felt like they were going straight in. But, you know, two back rooms. And, you know, it's okay. I think, uh, you know, the, the NBA experiences I've, I've had are just preparing me for something better. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I, – because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the, the log here. Obviously, being someone who's on that two-way deal, when you do get into the game, you're not playing a ton of minutes. You know, hey, I've got to get in here and kind of – I, is it, is it a, I, I've got to try to prove something. Is it, I, I've got to, you know, I only have so much time. Like I can only imagine what it's like getting into the game. You're excited to get in, but you know, you may not be in for that long. Is it, can you feel that when you get right. into the game is, Hey, like I've only got maybe a couple of minutes here. Well, at first, you know, I was, you know, it's, you got a ton of nerves. You're super excited and you're super anxious to finally get out there and get in. Um, even though you don't, you know, you may have a minute or, you know, two minutes or however long the, the game, you know, may be left. Um, you know, you just have these nerves. and I just had all these unrealistic expectations upon myself about what I needed to do, what needed to happen. And like you said, I thought I needed to prove myself. But, you know, in, in all you know, reality, like there's no way you can prove yourself in a minute, 30 seconds, two minutes. You know, that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. I think being on a two-way is, is, is all about learning as much as you can soaking in the knowledge of the players and the coaches and just trying to, you know, to advance, you know, it's not about you trying to prove yourself once you get into the game. It's about proving yourself day in and day out in practice and film, you know, on game days, you know, when you have those, those small moments with the coaches, you're shooting or whatever, it's just about, you know, going at your own pace and doing what you already did to, to get on that stage. You know, they didn't sign me to, to do something different. You know, I, I proved myself as a basketball player, as Vic Law, to kind of get on that stage. And that's how I'll continue to, you know, to keep progressing as Vic Law, as playing, as how I do, you know, taking it one game at a time and uh, just learning as much as I can in the right now. Yeah, we look forward to to watching much more of you, Vic, with uh, the Orlando Magic, of course, and and uh, hopefully during the resumption of the NBA season here in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Vic, I... I, I've I've taken up far too much of your time already. I really do appreciate you hanging out uh, and joining us here on the podcast. And uh, I do uh, I want to say good luck to you as uh, the season resumes. And of course, uh, uh, we hope to see you uh, in the next few weeks here in the in the NBA uh, in the resumption of the NBA season. Vic, thank you. Thank you, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. 
Bye. 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 Bye.